What's going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. If you guys have any, if you're on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream prophecy drops. If you're on Spotify, Podbean, please follow the podcast. A couple of channel updates if you're on YouTube. We'll be doing the Monday night game between the Giants and the Bucks, which is the game we're previewing right now. I might do a college football game uh, today. I don't know if I will, but just keep an eye out on YouTube. Maybe the Notre Dame game I'll do. We'll see what happens. And Boys of the Big Apple will be on Wednesday this week. And for the rest of the weeks until next year, about the first week of January, I think, that's when we'll shift one more time to Wednesday. But... Other than this coming Wednesday, it's not going to be on Wednesday anymore. It's going to be on Monday, and then we'll shift back to Wednesday when it's needed. But obviously, you guys will follow the updates on Twitter and all the other platforms you can follow me on. So the New York Giants have a tough task coming off of the bye week. Now, they do get two players likely back. Logan Ryan, that COVID positive that's a tough one that's a tough one and he's made a lot of tackles in the secondary I've been down on him compared to last year but if we lose him for the Bucks game which is very likely at this point I'm not going to be a happy camper and it's 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 tough it's tough because Rob Gronkowski is likely coming back you got your hands full with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans so James Bradbury and Ory Jackson who are you going to place on Rob Gronkowski? You know, this guy's six 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 seven. He's very big, obviously. Everybody knows who Rob Gronkowski is. Who is it going to be on Rob Gronkowski? Are they going to play a lot of zone? Are they going to put Xavier McKinney on him? Is Julian Love going to cover him? What is this story going to be? How are they going to attack it? Maybe they put a Dory on Evans or Bradbury on Evans, and then they have... Uh, Aaron Robinson or Donnie Holmes on Godwin. There's a lot of situations and scenarios you can come up with. But it's going to be an interesting game. Interesting thing for Giants fans to find out, you know, well, how is Patrick Graham going to game plan this? And I'm going to presume a little bit like the Chiefs game, except for the fact that Bradbury may or may not be covering Rob Gronkowski. But from a basic standpoint... The Buccaneers are coming in pretty friggin' pissed off. They lost to the Saints before the bye to Trevor Simeon. They had the bye, I'm pretty sure. Then they lose to the football team, where Tom Brady turns it over a couple times. His receivers are dropping passes. Tom Brady's pissed coming into this game. And as many Giant fans thought, I thought, and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, Tom, you couldn't have this game next week? Because all of that anger and all of that losing is going to build up in the Bucks, in Bruce Arians, in Tom Brady. It's going to build up inside them, and they're going to take it out on the Giants. I'm not going to say that the Giants are going to get blown out, but we'll see come prediction time. So, the injury report, let's talk about the Giants first. Uh, Saquon Barkley, limited on Friday... Devontae Booker limited on Friday. Lorenzo Carter dealing with a stomach bug and also the ankle injury. He did not participate, so he's probably going to be out. And I don't wish injury on any player, 
but he's useless, doesn't get the pass, or has one fluke interception on the season. Nate Ebner, dealing with a knee injury, looks like he's going to be outside down another safety if Logan Ryan does miss Monday, so they'll probably get J.R. Reed into some more playing time snaps, and Aaron Robinson will probably be flexible as well. Colin Gillespie was dealing with a calf injury, limited, not much there, so he's probably going to play. Logan Ryan, as I mentioned, with the COVID protocol, Sterling Shepard did not participate with a quad injury. It sucks because Daniel Jones, I guess at this point, has the chance to have all of his weapons healthy, but he has to likely wait another week for that because Caden Smith's not going to be healthy. He's dealing with a knee injury, so he may not play, though he was limited in Friday's practice. Could it be a little too late? We'll see what happens, but Sterling Shepard is definitely not playing. Take a look at the Bucks injury report. I'm going to take out the most major factors in here because Tom Brady's on the injury report, but they're resting him for practice reasons. Antonio Brown did not participate. He's in with an ankle injury, likely not playing on Monday. D. Delaney was injured the last game, dealing with an ankle injury and a concussion, limited participation. So that is somewhat of a good sign for Monday's game. They are banged up in the secondary. Uh, Chris Godwin, foot injury. Limited, Rob Gronkowski, full participation since Thursday. Jason Pierre, uh, Pierre-Paul, limited, he's going to play. Uh, Vita Vea, not participating due to the knee injury. And then Steve McClendon did not participate as well. So that defensive line might be a little banged up as well. Vita Vea not playing. McClendon, one of the backup defensive tackles, not playing either. So it's going to be down to Rakeem Nunez-Roches, Nagadamakin Sue. William Golston, a couple other guys as well. So it's not going to be as scary in the interior, but it's still scary. Ndamukong Sue, I believe, is their second or third leading sacker. They do a lot of rotations, but it works well for them. So let's take a look at the practice squad protections. The Giants protected Chris Myrick, I'm guessing because Caden Smith may or not be playing on Monday. Cornerback Jaron Williams, you know, just in case for special teams reasons. Wide receiver and kick returner Farrell Cooper, probably return kicks and punts. And pass rusher Trent Harris, probably going to get another go of it because of Lorenzo Carter's injury. Maybe they put him in instead of O'Shane Zimenez. I'd rather that, honestly, do what you can at this point. Take a look at the Buccaneers, another team that uses their practice squad protections. Tight end Darren Fells. So that was probably just in case Rob Gronkowski couldn't go. Wide receiver Brashad Perriman. They had him before a couple of years ago. Kicker Jose Borregales. And cornerback Bleedy Ray Wilson. Uh, They're supposed to get Sean Murphy bunting back for Monday's game. So Ray Wilson and Dee Delaney do provide depth. If Murphy bunting comes back, it's going to be him and Jamel Dean. If it's not going to be Murphy bunting, it's going to be Jamel Dean and likely... Pierre Desir, who really wasn't good last year in a lot of playing time with the Jets. I believe he was their number one corner. My brother's a Jets fan, so I watched him a lot, and he wasn't good. So if Desir is starting with Dean, which in my opinion is very unlikely, if Desir is starting with Dean, take advantage. Uh, With that being said, let's go into the positional rankings. I have the roster up, so I could probably compare Uh, Just in case I need a reference, I don't think I will need to. But quarterbacks, you guys know how we do it. It's uh, on paper, on-field production. 
Tampa Bay wins both Tom Brady and Tom Brady. I mean, how could you go wrong? Still producing great numbers. I think he's, what, 42, 43 years old. So uh, Tom Brady, probably the best to ever step on the gridiron. Take a look at the running back room with the New York Giants coming into the season. Saquon Barkley, Devontae Booker. I might take a slight nod to Tampa Bay here. And I know Booker had a big week against the Panthers. And he had a big week against the Raiders as well. But a lot of people look at the Buccaneers. They're not a huge rushing team. And their numbers are poor. But that's because they elect to pass it the most in the league. They have the best pass rate. Or I should say the highest pass rate in the league. And when they run it, they're efficient. I believe they're sixth best when they run it. It's like an advanced analytic that I really don't follow. But I somewhat understand. But Leonard Fournette has been a piece out of the backfield. Giovanni Bernard, I think he's in the doghouse because he made a bad play against Tampa. uh, Against Tampa. Look at me talking. Against Washington last week. But Leonard Fournette, I believe, is the second, third, or fourth leading receiver. He's had a lot of eight-catch games, so... You know, if they're protecting downfield, if the secondary is locking down Godwin, Evans, Gronkowski, he'll check it down to Leonard Fournette. And once again, the difference between him and guys like Patrick Mahomes, meaning Tom Brady, is that he knows when to take the check down. He'll take the check down instead of forcing a ball and getting intercepted. So for the wide receiver room, Tampa Bay had pretty much all returning starters. I think I'm going to go with them slightly. And then Tampa Bay, obviously, production-wise, Chris Godwin's a leading receiver, though Mike Evans has more touchdowns. Tight ends can obviously go with Tampa Bay here. O.J. Howard's decent when he's healthy. Cameron Braid's a solid backup. And then you have Rob Gronkowski, so you can't really argue with that. The O-line, obviously, going to go to Tampa Bay here. That O-line has been together for two years and one of the most solid in the National Football League. Look at the defensive line. Vida Vea and Dominican Sue, pretty good defensive lineman. And Dominican Sue is in his 30s. I want to say 31, 32, 33 years old now. He's still doing the job, a solid job for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. At linebacker, I'm going to obviously consider Edge and inside linebacker Devin White, Levante David still playing at a high level. And then you look at their edge group, Jason Pierre-Paul has been managing, I think, a torn rotator cuff partially and then he's got another injury he's been dealing with but he's been doing decent Joe Tryon Shalinka I think that's his name I'm sorry if I'm butchering it and then you have Shaq Barrett <clears throat> of course so that's a pretty good edge room compared to the Giants where you have Aziz Ojolari and yet really don't have any answers at linebacker Benedrick McKinney right now seems to be your number one and it's Tate Crowder not really a good group you look at the cornerbacks I personally think that the Giants are better on paper and in terms of production because their secondary has been banged up, but at times they really haven't been good. Jamel Dean, he's impressed me this year, has one of the lower passer ratings in the NFL. I think he's allowed a passer rating of 44.3 or something like that. But the corners around him also do the fact that their secondary is banged up, really haven't been playing well, so I'll take the Giants on that one. In terms of safeties, can't go wrong with Jordan Whitehead and... Antoine Winfield Jr. And then special teams, I'll take the Giants. They are actually ranked the higher special teams unit. And also, Graham Gano is a better kicker, in my opinion, than Ryan Suckup. But once again, people can challenge me on that. In terms of rankings, let's go to the Giants first on offense. They are 21st in total yards per game. In terms of passing offense, they are 16th. Rushing offense, they're 25th. And points per game, 24th. On defense, they are 25th in total yards per game. 
Passing defense, they're 19th. Rushing defense, 22nd. Points per game, 19th. You take a look at the Bucks in terms of total yards per game to the third. First at passing offense, 27th in rushing offense. As I said, they really don't elect to run the ball up, but when they do, they're a pretty successful team. And then points per game to the third. In terms of defense, they've gotten a lot better over the last couple of weeks. In terms of total yards per game, eighth. They're still second in rushing defense, but passing defense has taken a toll because of the injuries in the secondary. They had Richard Sherman for a while, but he is on IR. I want to say a lower body injury, Carlton Davis, Murphy Bunting, as I mentioned. And then they are 18th in points per game. Going through this really quickly, really quickly for some reason. But anyway, with that being said, here are a couple of key cog stats before we go into players to watch. Tampa Bay is... First in pass play percentage, pass rate 67.35, seventh in explosive play rate. I'm going to go into the analytics a little bit. I feel like just me as a person, I know analytics more and I trust analytics more in football than I do in baseball. Maybe that's just me being me. I don't know if there's a bias there or whatever, but the New York Giants are 32nd in explosive play rate. Tampa Bay has given up the second least sacks. This season, actually first. Yeah, they've given up the first least sacks. Their offensive line pretty solid, like last year. Blitz the most in the NFL, and I don't know if that's going to change because let's just say Sean Murphy Bunting doesn't come back. And Jamel Dean and uh, what's his face? Pierre Desir, they're starters, right? Is that going to change what they're doing in terms of blitz rate? It's going to be interesting to see, but that's come Monday. And then the Giants and the Bucks are tied at plus three in turnover differential. That's a key to something later on. Players to watch. Tom Brady. He's still doing what he's doing at his best. One of his best seasons, obviously. A lot of people are considering him for the MVP talks. 67.4 completion percentage. 2,870 yards. 323.4 yards per game. 27 touchdowns and 7 interceptions. Seven interceptions, take that into account. It should really be three um, if you're measuring it from a different standpoint because four have been over the last two games. And he's also been sacked only 12 times, so keep that in mind as well. Leonard Fournette, he's been a key cog for them. He's only rushed 112 times for 486 yards, um, which is about 4.3 per carry. But in the receiving game, he's been key as well. Take a look at his stats in the receiving game. 38 receptions, 284 yards. He has a total of four rushing touchdowns on the ground. So he's been a key cog for them in the passing game and in the running game when they do use it. Uh, I don't think they've been factoring Ronald Jones as much in the running game. At least from what I've noticed. Maybe it's just me looking from my fantasy standpoint. Maybe it's me just watching only tidbits of the Tampa Bay games. We'll see. So Chris Godwin... Mike Evans, you obviously got to watch out for them. Godwin has more receiving yards, 57 receptions, 717 yards, four touchdowns. Um, he has one fumble lost on the season. That's probably within the last few games. And he has 12.6 yards per catch, 79.7 yards per game. Mike Evans, 41 receptions, 606 yards, nine touchdowns. 67.3 yards per game and 14.8 yards per reception. Take a look at Rob Gronkowski. He's still doing it. Uh, he's only played in four games this season. Total of 16 receptions, 184 yards, and four touchdowns with a catch rate of 72.7. The offensive line, as I mentioned, has only given up 
12 sacks, which is the first best in the NFL. Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet, Ryan Jensen, Alex Kappa, and Tristan Wirfs. There's not many O-lines that can play to that level. The Browns can play to that level. A couple other teams maybe, but they've been a really solid group these last two years, and I admire that. Shaq Barrett. Not your typical 19-and-a-half sack season, but he's having a good season nonetheless, putting up production for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, five tackles for a loss, total of 31 tackles, 10 quarterback hits. I know I'm reading shit in reverse here, but five-and-a-half sacks, 10 quarterback hits, 20 quarterback pressures, two forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery. Jason Pierre-Paul, who's been managing some injuries, has played in seven games this year. Total of 22 tackles. Two and a half sacks, three tackles for loss, four quarterback hits, one forced fumble, also nine pressures. Joe Chion Shoyinka, Shalinka, something like that. But I apologize for not getting it correct. I probably didn't get it correct. 14 tackles, three tackles for a loss, three sacks, 12 pressures. According to a couple of people that I've been talking to and stuff I've been researching, he's actually gotten less snaps over the last couple of weeks, though Jason Pierre-Paul has been dealing with injuries. But he's still been a key cog in their pass rushing game. Levante David, 56 tackles, one forced fumble, one sack, one tackle for a loss, and two quarterback hits in coverage. He really hasn't been that great, but Levante David really has not been known as a coverage linebacker. He's been a tackling linebacker for the most part. Has given up 40 receptions on 48 targets, 83.3 completion percentage, three touchdowns, 308 yards given up, and 114.2 passer rating. You look at Devin White, 79 tackles, two sacks, four tackles for loss, 12 quarterback hits, 18 quarterback pressures. He's almost at his career high in quarterback hits, which I find very interesting. They must blitz him a lot. Um, But in coverage, like Levante David, he really hasn't been that good. 41 receptions. On 49 targets, 83.7 completion percentage, no touchdowns given up, 356 yards, and 96.9 passer rating, so he probably gives up less yards per reception than Levante David does. Take a look at the secondary now, two players I'll do, and then we'll go to questions to answer, keys to win predictions. It's been a pretty fast episode, at least what I think. Uh, Jamel Dean, seven pass deflections, one tackle for a loss, 34 tackles in total. As I mentioned, he's been one of the better corners in passer rating, just one of the better corners overall. I think he's really underrated, if you ask me. He's allowed 19 completions on 40 targets, 47.5 completion percentage, 216 yards, 11.4 yards given up per completion, 43.3 passer rating, and no touchdowns given up. Take a look at Antoine Winfield. Two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, two tackles for a loss going along with 43 regular tackles, 12 pressures, one sack. In coverage, he's been decent, not too great, you know, not too bad. 17 completions given up on 23 targets, 73.9 completion percentage, 181 yards, one touchdown, given up 92.8 passer rating. We're flying through this quick, quick, quick. Uh, Take a look at questions to answer. For the New York Giants on offense, how much the load does Saquon get? This is going to be very interesting. They signed Jonathan Williams to the practice squad. He was with the Bills and the football team for a couple of years. Eli Penny is also an option. They've been factoring him in the last couple of weeks. Gary Brightwell, if they ever intend to use him. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I don't know if I mentioned it, but Devontae Booker 
He's injured. I think he's going to play, but I think there's going to be some load management. Barkley gets these snaps. Uh, Devontae Booker and Eli Penny get these snaps. They need to use Saquon out of the backfield as a receiver, though. Also in screens uh, as... You know, just a receiver out wide as well because it seems like that part has not been utilized during his Giants tenure. And they really need to unlock that because I think that's a prudent part of this offense. A prudent part would be of this offense. And I know I'm not making too much sense, but the Giants aren't using it. And they could be a better offense if they do use it. Uh, Number two, how will this O-line fare against a Vita Vea list interior? I don't have too many concerns for the interior, though it's backups on backups. Then again, Nadamagun Sue and William Golston really aren't backups, but unless they have Steve McClendon or Raheem Nunez Roches playing uh, instead of those two guys, which is likely not going to happen, but it's still backups on backups. But Nadamagun Sue, as I mentioned, will probably play William Golston, and they'll probably get some pressure up the middle because. Billy Price hasn't been a good center. Matt Skur has been a below-average left guard. And Will Hernandez has been average at best. And he is a ball of mental errors, unfortunately. Now, on the edges, you'll be facing Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, Joe Tronsinka. Um I know I'm going to repeat this for the 900th time. But if Andrew Thomas is healthy, you got to put Parrot out there. Let him face a lot of the guys at right tackle a lot of people in my personal opinion have been getting a negative notation on Matt Parrott because he's been at left tackle left tackle is the power tackle side and if Andrew Thomas is fully healthy just put Parrott over there just start him I know that they're going to put Solder over there for a bunch of snaps I know to I know what to expect at this point it's unfortunate is what it is but Nate Solder, in my opinion, is going to get blown off the edge. I think Matt Parrott will do reasonable for, you know, his caliber. Because he's an average, I guess, tackle at this point. And he's in his second year. But he'll be facing Shaq Barrett or whoever's on his side. It's still going to be a tough task to ask of a second-year uh, player out of UConn, a third-round pick. And then Andrew Thomas, once again, on the left side. Number three... Can this Giants offense take advantage of a banged-up secondary? Sean Murphy bunting, probably going to play. I would still target him. I don't think the Bucks will go full throttle with him. They'll probably mix Pierre Desir and Dee Delaney in there. But Jamel Dean's going to be playing. I wouldn't say not attack Jamel Dean, but still attack the secondary. Andrew Thomas is coming back. We've seen what Jason Garrett is when uh Andrew Thomas is not on the field compared to when he is on the field he's more aggressive for Jason Garrett's standards when Andrew Thomas is on the field playing left tackle because he trusts Andrew Thomas more probably than any other player on this old line um but with that being said you have to attack downfield you have to get stuff going and they play a lot of man coverage and they blitz a lot so you know also some rollouts as well but uh with that being said let's go on to number four will there be any ground game with Novita Vea there's likely no motivation, in my opinion, to run the football a lot because this is still the first best run defense, second best run defense in the NFL. So they're probably prepared for guys like Vita Vea being injured and stuff like that. You know, Levante David, Devin White, Nagadamakan Sue, William Golston. They're still prepared. Vita Vea is a big loss for them, but. 
against this Giants O-line, I don't think they'll be able to get it done in the ground game. You know, maybe Devontae Booker and Saquon Barkley, just a few carries. You're not going to totally abandon the running game, but it's not something you should focus on. It's not something that you should say, oh, well, you know, we're going to run it more than we pass it. No, that would be a terrible game plan. Number five, will Tampa Bay bring out the worst or the best in DJ? Last year, brought out the worst in DJ. Year before that, makes his rookie debut, brings out the best in DJ. It's a flip of a coin at this point. And there's odds that are really against him at this point and just against this Giants team because, A, I think we're, what, 0 for 7, 0 for 8? No, hold on. Let's do the math here, guys. We're 0 for 7 in primetime games with Daniel Jones, I think. 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. So we're 0 and 5 in our color rush uniforms as of late. So that's against us. And we're wearing it for two games also against Philly at home which is pretty interesting to me, but we'll see. We'll see whether it brings the worst or best in DJ. Andrew Thomas is back, so that likely helps him. In terms of the defensive side of the ball, can this defense be the bend but don't break a defense like it was against the Chiefs and the Raiders? I think it can be. You know, don't give up too many big plays. Let the checkdowns happen. Give up a, you know, a bunch of five, six, seven-yard plays. Get them down to the red zone. Give up three points at best. Now, obviously they're going to score one or two touchdowns because this is the first best offense in the league, especially in the passing game. So you really have to anticipate they're going to attack hard, but also, once again, be that bend but don't break defense. And don't be too aggressive, but don't be also too conservative where you're just, ah, we're going to rush three and not get to Tom Brady at all. That has to be a thing to do as well. Pressure Tom Brady. Number two, though a great O-line, can the pass rush get to Brady one to three times? Giants got to him three times last year, I believe. Once was Leonard Williams. Second was Carter Coughlin. And I feel like there was a third time. I want to say it was Kyler Fackrell, but it may not have been. I could have sworn it was three times that they got to Tom Brady. But they also had quarterback hits and pressures, all that stuff. But I remember Carter Coughlin and Leonard Williams getting sacks. So Patrick Graham... I don't think, personally, that moving off of last year's game plan is going to do anything bad. But once again, you also have a second corner. You don't have Isaac Yadam anymore. You have a Dory Jackson. But also, you'll be missing Logan Ryan, most likely. So you you will have to manage to uh, adjust some things. But with that being said, just be the bend but don't break defense, but also manage to get to Tom Brady a couple times. Send a few blitzes, not too many. That's my personal opinion. If healthy, in terms of Rob Gronkowski, will James Bradbury be covering him or will James Bradbury be covering Mike Evans? I think it's going to be Mike Evans. Gronkowski looks like he's going to play, so they're going to have to manage something there where they have either Bradbury split time on Evans and Gronkowski or Gronkowski just be covered by a safety and that be a bunch of zone coverage stuff. I don't know. I'm not a defensive guy. I don't read too much into that shit. But with that being said, they need to contain Gronkowski. Same with Mike Evans and Godwin to the best of their ability while playing a bend but don't break defense and move forward, get the offense on the field. That way they can score points. Number four, does Aaron Robinson get more snaps with more ground to cover? You got Chris Godwin. I think Scotty Miller's going to come back. I think. I'm not sure if he's on IR. Let me take a look. I could take a look at that 
real quickly, Scotty Miller is on IR. So Jalen Darden is also there. Tyler Johnson will play as well. Antonio Brown's going to be out. So once again, it's not like, oh, you know, forget these guys, whatever. Play like you're playing Mike Evans as all the receivers on the field. Like all of the receivers, their name is Mike Evans. They have the same abilities. Um, I know that sounds stupid, but with that being said, Aaron Robinson, I think he will get more snaps because of the absence of Logan Ryan and just because there's more weapons to cover. Whether Logan Ryan plays and it's a false positive, which it looks like it's not right now, but if it is a false positive, you still put Aaron Robinson on the field and have him cover some players, you know, whether it's Jalen Darden, Tyler Johnson, maybe a couple snaps against Chris Godwin. Hopefully he doesn't get destroyed, but then again, uh, that's their leading receiver, so I don't know if I would put him up to the test yet, especially only after two weeks of playing plus a bye. Number five, can this defense keep its streak of turnovers over the last ten games? You look at the last nine games. They have a turnover in each. Go back to last year. It's actually 11 games because of the Xavier McKinney interception against the Cowboys and also the fumble that Lamar had I want to say against the Ravens week 16 of last year. So it goes to 11 games. I think they extend that. I think the Giants get another turnover at least in this game, whether it's one or two. I think it's going to be at least one turnover. They did that the last time they forced a fumble on Ronald Jones. But with that being said, I do think that they actually keep the streak going to 12 games. Keys to win. Number one, get things going with Andrew Thomas and the weapons back. You have to. You have to. You can't stay closed anymore. This is a Bucks defense that is going to blitz a shit ton. They do man coverage. So get Kadarius Toney out there. Use Saquon as a wide receiver. Do what you need to do to get this offense going. Jason Garrett's two different offensive coordinators when Thomas is and is not on the field. If Thomas is on the field, you got to be aggressive. You got to be aggressive either way because you got to take advantage of that banged up secondary. And once again, even if Murphy Bunting does play, I don't think he's going to play 100% of the snaps. With that being said, number two, slow down the pass. Be a Benbert, but don't break defense. You have to do that because. The Giants don't have a pass rush, in my personal opinion, and I share this opinion with many other people, that's going to be like the Bucs or some of these other teams across the league where they could get to you, you know, if it's a blitz, and they have the manpower to cover on the back end. Now, they do have the manpower to cover on the back end, but there's some holes in there. Aaron Robinson isn't fully experienced yet. Darnay Holmes still has some issues. They're missing Logan Ryan, but also up front, you really don't have premium pass rushers, so... They need to probably go back to last year's game plan, zone, and man combined into it. Ben, but don't break defense. They gave up 25 points to Bucks last year. Some of that because Daniel Jones did throw two interceptions. Uh, number three, force a turnover. Brady, four interceptions in the last two games. Chris Godwin, I'm pretty sure he had a fumble uh, within the last two games as well in their losses. So they have to force a turnover. And... I don't think this defense will be on the field way too much. I don't think it's going to be like the Broncos game or some of these other games that the Giants have played, especially the Rams game as well, but that was turnover-induced. I don't think they'll be on the field too much, but the offense has to take advantage of its opportunities. But once again, this is a decent defense, a good defense, and you take a look at the offense for the Bucks. They're really powerful, but you have to force a turnover. You have to have some aggressiveness at some points conservativeness at other points in the game 
but you also have to force Tom Brady to hit his helmet into the ground because, oh my God, someone just turned over the ball. Maybe it was him. Maybe it was Chris Godwin who fumbled to force a turnover. I think that's a crucial part of the game. Stopping the pass, yes. Getting things going on offense, yes. But I think a turnover could make the difference in this game, my personal opinion. But if you guys haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. I forgot to do my predictions. Let's do it now. I don't think that the Giants are going to win this game. I think Brady is way too pissed off to not get a win. Giants are coming off a bye, and I know a lot of teams really don't do great coming off of a bye, though it is expected they do do good. The Giants had a win last year coming off the bye against the Bengals, but they had Brandon Allen at quarterback, and they really weren't a good team. So, I'm going to go Tampa Bay 24, New York Giants 20. 24-20, Tampa Bay Bucks beat the New York Giants. Then the Giants could enjoy some Thanksgiving and then beat the Eagles the next week, a game that I'm going to. But with that being said, guys, appreciate you all coming back. Peace out. See you later. Stay cool.